Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. I am Dr. Daniela Point, and my co-host is Dr. Dustin Smith, and today we have Mike McGurk with us. How are you today? I'm great, and just emphasize, not a doctor, not a close to being a doctor, <laughs> other than having Fisher-Price doctor kids still from my childhood days. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we are so happy to have Mike Figurk, the non-doctor, with us today. And um, I would like to say have a special thank you to Ticket Spigot, who is our sponsor and also the NIAAA official ticketing partner. So, Dustin, without further ado, let's kick it over to you for our introduction of our guest this week. But we've already established he's not a doctor, so we've got Paradox <laughs> is still okay. Uh, but what I do want to know, or what I do want to state, is that he is royalty. Um, not just in the Kansas City area or in Missouri, but across the nation, as he is the president of the NIAAA and our board. Um, so I don't know if we should stand and salute. I don't know if we got to kiss the ring. I don't know what it really needs to be with Mike <laughs> this morning. But there are a lot of accolades that we can fire out there. But one of the most impressive to me, anyway, is that he is the president of the NIAAA board. I've said that already, I know. And Mike, I don't know. Do we do some kind of salute? Do we have to? curtsy no <laughs> you, you know the funny part is it's not even about that it's it's what can I do for you right it's how can I serve you best and it, just getting an invite on here is like made my whole week I mean I, I've seen all the other guests I've heard some of them and I'm like wait a minute how do I get on this show and and so <laughs> I'm pretty excited just to get the invite to be to be on and talk with y'all well let, let's let's start with telling the people something the resume is not going to tell them about who Mike McGurk is. I know you've been an AD at several stops and you're in the Kansas city area and we can talk about Lee summit. Um, but tell us, let's paint us a picture of who Mike is outside of the AD role. Yeah. Outside the AD world, which is really hard for me because I've done it for 20 years now. I know the, those are few and far between the lot, the longevity ADs who are going to be in it their entire life. They either, they either get smart and they've, go the principal route or they do something different but um in my spare time I have a, adult kids now like I, I I say they're both one's out of college and one's in college and it's kind of nice to have that movement away from all the youth sports and traveling all the weekends and doing all, I was one of those right my son played ice hockey and so we traveled across the country and such but um now I just uh for fun, I, I try to work out when I can. Um, I fish an awful lot. We live right on the back of a lake. So, you know, like even just last night, I went out and uh, fish. I fish for like an hour in the evening. It kind of is a time where I can just think and hang out by myself. And and the other day, I had Josh Scott over, who was also on the board and, and a Missouri AD. And he caught a fish. Now it wasn't a very big one, but he, he was on the board first. I'm going to let the record show he did. He did score first. Um, but uh, I do like to do a lot of that. I like to play golf quite a bit too. And you you can ask Phil Reisner Landis about playing golf with me and Josh. That's a, that's a good story too. Um, so yeah, that's, I, I'd say that's what I do for most of my time. I, I think you know, most of my like lifelong friends are in Virginia, which is where I was born and raised and started my educational career. Uh, but I'm now in Kansas City and I have met some great people out here. But uh, my, my like friends from since middle school and such, they're still in Virginia. And I'm jumping back there in a couple of weeks for a visit. And 
we're going to play golf and we're going to fish. So that that's kind of what I do outside the AD world. So if we're going to say that Josh got on the board first, as far as catching a fish, I know when I talk to Josh next, he's going to tell me that it was probably a 50 pound <laughs> catfish that he caught bare hand. He was noodling or something. Can we set the record straight to kind of say what kind of fish and how big this thing was? Yeah, yes, we, we we actually can. Um, as as we're talking about, he, it was a crappie. It was not a big one. Um, and he, I would say, I think I actually have um, physical proof of it here. Uh, I do. <laughs> So you can oh. kind of see how big that fish is, right? No, That's you can see how small the fish is. Fish. <laughs> okay, so he was on the board first. I, I'm just saying. And then so, you know, like, and I, last night, so that's kind of my guy from last night. I caught a bass. And so um, I don't typically take pictures of all my fish. But with Josh, I felt like Need I, I think maybe my fish ate Josh's fish, um, the one that I caught last night. So, <laughs> and, and we haven't had Josh as a guest on here, and so he may refute some of this. But right mm -hmm. now, whatever Mike says goes. It's kind of like him being the president. Whatever Mike says goes. We just got to deal with it, and so does Josh. <laughs> and he's a Cardinals fan, so we got to just kind of cast that aside anyway. Yeah, we we don't believe a lot of what he says. Like I said, it's really hard to refute the actual pictures of the fish, <laughs> but I'm sure Josh will find a way that maybe I used photo Photoshop and changed out the size <laughs> of his fish. But let the let the record speak for itself. And unfortunately, he is a Cardinals fan. But um, I did take him to a Royals game just recently when he came up here because uh, my son works for the Royals. He's on the grounds crew and. He, he one of the bonuses after 22 years he finally has a perk for me and uh, he can get me tickets to the ball game and we go out and support the Royals so it's kind of nice. So it wasn't just it's not just one sided you pouring into him he's finally pouring back into you. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. So we've talked about Kansas City and Lee Summit particularly is where you're at now but what are the stops that you've made prior to this to get you to this point you talked about Virginia and I know you visit with Jim Harris who was a guest on here with us um, <clears throat> I know you've been on his podcast but let's talk about the steps that you've gotten to get to this point where you're at Lee Summit now yeah I, I started as a coach and teacher in Fairfax County which is a huge school district in Virginia I, I think at the time there were 26 high schools in that school district um, so really big. I went, I had gone to school in Fairfax County. I coached basketball and field hockey, which is a little known fact that I coached girls field hockey for five years um, and, and, and really enjoyed it. And, and as I was doing that, my AD at the time, he said, hey, I really love to get you into game management and, and start to get you down this track. And I was like, great. You know, anytime I can spend time out at athletic events, that was a that was fun. Right. I was not married, single. I was just chilling out. I had nothing to do. So yeah, I'll go to athletic events. And that slowly got into the point where um, the guy that I had coached basketball with, he got the uh, AD job at that school. And he was like, Hey, my job's open. Do you want, are you like trying to be an, a head basketball coach or do you want to go the AD route? So that was kind of my like decision, right? I had to figure out which route I was going to go. And I went the athletic administrator route. So I was his assistant AD for two years. Um, then I got an AD job at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Tech, which is like the top academic school in the country. 
still might be. You know, you could Google it. It's, it's like a magnet school for Fairfax County where the best and the brightest go. And it, it, it created some, I learned a lot in that one year of that position. Then I jumped um, to Robinson Secondary School where we had about uh, 4,500 kids, seven through 12. So I was really accustomed to that big school mentality at that point. Uh, and then my wife is from Missouri. So at some point we had had some discussions about, you know, uh, what, you know, what it would look like to be back here. And so, uh, you know, I, I was tired of the traffic and the nonsense that is the DC metropolitan area and got a job in Jefferson city, Missouri for five years as the district AD there. Um, oversaw the high school, the ninth grade building and two middle schools at the time. And uh, my wife's from Lee Summit. So when a job opened up in Lee Summit, which is just a suburb of Kansas City, I applied and I've been here nine years and I have eight more to go. And I, I don't see myself going anywhere else. I love the people here. I love the coaches. We have a great culture. Um, but I would say also, Dustin, and how I got here, you know, like as an NIAAA stuff, I had some great mentors who early on in my career grabbed me and said, hey, you you can go to these conferences and play golf, but you, you, you need to get some professional development too. You need to jump on a committee. You need to do this stuff. And three of them were ADs in our conference, you know, in our area, and they're all in the NIAAA Hall of Fame. So I was really lucky to have folks that were really invested in the NIAAA to say, hey, you know, as a young person, do this like this is important and this is this is good thing good things will happen if you jump in with good people and so uh as the president as i've gone through that's my goal it's 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 more to like find other people and get them involved um so that they get the same benefit that i've gotten out of my 20 years in athletic administration <clears throat> you made this statement when talking about the dc area you said the traffic and nonsense now, is the nonsense related to traffic, or is it political, or is it just all the stuff that may be part of D.C.? He's, yeah, setting, you know, he's setting you up right now is what he's doing. I know <laughs> it, it's all a part of the D.C. area. And I, I'll be honest, I had lived there my entire life, and so I, you get used to the traffic, so you don't really understand how much time you spend in a car. And so you also... Um, now having worked in a school district where there's one high school and a school district where there's three, there was a lot of pol politics involved in a big, you know, large school district with 26 high schools, right? I mean, there, there, you couldn't do as much stuff individually as a school that you can as a one school district or a three. And so the nonsense was really like extra stuff that we were doing as a result of being a big school, school district, um, the extra meetings, the extra time um so it, it was not but i think you know ultimately my wife was commuting to dc for her job which was an hour each way and i mean that's part of it too right she's out and then she'll come home and then i'm back out for events so uh now she's a teacher she moved out here and she's teaching she's been a teacher for nine ten years um so that that part also helped too. She she got I mean she was downtown when nine when nine eleven happened and so um, and she worked really close to the Pentagon and got to see all that stuff happen. It, it was just really um, it was a good time for a move for us. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. <laughs> That's 
good time for a move. So I know in those stops along the way, and we've kind of joked around about the nonsense and your your fishing prowess compared to that of Josh Scott. But um, I know in those times that you've had some stories that you've dealt with, and this is the part of the the podcast that we really enjoy, just to be mm-hmm. able to have some fun, kind of look back at and say, I can't believe that really happened. So you want to start us off with a story of something that's happened in your years that may be nonsense or yeah. really <laughs> something that really happened? Each one of my stops, Dustin and, and, and Danielle, has something like my first stop was Thomas Jefferson, like I said, and that first year is when the sniper hit DC. So we weren't even allowed to practice outside. We weren't allowed to have PE class outside. We had to be in the gym or if you, we actually had a courtyard within our building where, so we could be outside, but we were within the confines of our building. And that was, we even tried to play a football game in Richmond, which is about two hours away from Virginia, from Northern Virginia, where we were to try to get a game in. And of course, like on the way home, there was another sniper shooting um, at one of the restaurants where a team had stopped, you know, like two hours previous. So we weren't allowed to do that anymore until the sniper was caught. It was a lot of like rescheduling and postpone. And then we eventually had the field hockey tournament at a military base. So we were very creative and I learned a lot, but that was that that's first year AD. And I know a lot of people this year, you know, when we went through COVID, they're like, oh, you're brand new AD and going through COVID. I kind of felt that way a little bit when we went through the sniper situation in DC. And, you know, I trans moved up to to Robinson and uh, big football school, big, really into football. We went to the state championship one year. I was there in those five years. And uh, embarrassingly enough, we, we had not shut off the irrigation system. Um, <laughs> and, and that was before everybody had turf, right? So we had a beautiful Bermuda field. And I hadn't turned off the irrigation system. And of course, right during the middle of a Friday night game against one of our rivals, it pops <laughs> on, right? And thankfully, <laughs> unlike some others, right, I at least it didn't happen on the side of the field where the play was. It was on the far end of the field. So real quickly, as a, any experienced AD would get on the radio and yell for anybody close to that sprinkler system to turn it off. Um, but ultimately, you know, that's on me for me sure it was turned off before the game and I worked that into you know an L, that LTI class when you start talking about facilities and fields and like making sure that's off Friday night before games if you have grass field because um, that was embarrassing Danielle you don't know anything about that right oh I'm so glad that I can't relate to your sniper story let's start with that but unfortunately I can 100% relate to your uh, sprinkler story because I'll share it with you quickly if you don't mind I know it's about you but you might think this is hilariously awful so uh, I knew I was having issues with my sprinklers they were acting funny and I didn't really know why so it's not that hard right there's a thing that tells you like the time little control box like on off schedule it but it wasn't acting right so I actually turned the system off I wasn't playing any games with it so I just turned it off and this isn't this is a newer school the school's only been open for like four or five years so everything's you know nice and updated like 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 um equipment so we're out there and it's it was actually one of our rival games it was a big game and the other team's receiver goes out he puts his hands out to catch the ball and he's looking at the ball and a sprinkler head comes up and shoots this poor boy right in the face through the helmet and I am like oh my god doesn't catch the ball 
The announcer, who is one of our assistant principals, found himself humorous. He's like, there's a rain delay on the field, folks. And I, <laughs> I, my coach is flipping out. I am trying to figure out what to do because my system is off. How do you turn it off when it's off already? So I uh, made some phone calls. I eventually figured out um, where the water turnoff valve was to the field. So I had, I couldn't even turn it. I could, it was like never been turned. So I couldn't turn it. So I had to get one of those like big scooper spoons from the concession stand. He used it as like a leverage to turn this thing. I finally get it turned off. The game continues. Um, but I was so embarrassed. Oh my gosh. I felt like a massive failure. Like what am I doing wrong with my life? Like it was awful. And I found out like a week later um, when they came out to, to look at the system that it was actually struck by lightning. Um, they said multiple times. So it had a mind of its own. So while that made me feel better, it did not make me feel like any less of a failure that night. And I will never, ever forget that night. And I hope it never happens ever again. So I feel your pain. It's an awful feeling. At least you had the excuse of the lightning strike. I did not have that. <laughs> it was total failure. Was 100% on the AD on that one. Did she have an excuse, really? It was off, off, according to her. <laughs> it was off. But how does it come on if it's off? I don't get that. <laughs> That's where the lightning comes into play, Dustin. I'm going to get off that for a minute. I'm going to go back to your sniper, your sniper, mm. your sniper story, Mike. And as we talk about takeaways for people, and people might be listening to this, you don't have an action plan for a sniper. I mean, there's not an emergency action plan. So how do you formulate? I mean, think about all the moving parts of that, from practices to games to travel, what that really looked like. And as you're sitting in that seat thinking, holy smokes, how am I going to have all of this take place? We're still supposed to have education-based athletics. We're supposed to, supposed to have games. But how do I do it within the confines of something that nobody knows where that person is, thus the name Sniper? Yeah, and to, yeah, I had no idea, right? First year, so I, I at that time I was 30 years old. So, you know, I'm like, think I know everything number one right you always think you know everything and then you get hit with that <laughs> and um I I think the way I got through it most is the you know people talk about ADs being a specialized position that we are like a sorority and fraternity like everybody is related to one another that we help each other out when necessary and I think that had a big part of it like we would meet on a regular basis almost daily sometimes to talk about what we're going to do in regards to this sniper situation. So thankfully I wasn't like cast off the, the plank by myself into the water, into the, you know, this, the ocean with nothing but shark circling. I had a lot of friends who would help out and say, Hey, you know, what are we going to do together? Like, what are people doing? So we could only practice inside. We didn't have games at all at that point. Um, was this the fall season? Yeah, so it was in the middle fall. fall. Okay. So, you know, no football games and no field hockey, no cross country. We we just didn't have any inside sports and so or outdoor sports. So then it became like, okay, once it got situated, you know, taken care of, how are we going to make up games or what are we going to do to play the games? And that's where like the field hockey one and I since I had coached, I was part of that committee to figure out. And we, we did find a, a base military base in Quantico, Virginia, where they had huge field space. And, and a group of us went down and painted the fields 
you know, lined and marked and painted and put goals up so that on a weekend we could play basically an entire season within a like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So um, it took a lot of creative thinking and thankfully I wasn't the one they were counting on for that. But I, you know, I think I contributed a little bit in regards to what some of that could look like. Uh, and, and there were just a lot of smart people in that room that saw that there were some newer ADs and Hey, let us take you under the wing and you don't have to be in this by yourself. And I think that's, what's great about our profession is no matter the situation, somebody's going to lend a hand or is willing to help out or, or do some. And I'm not sure I see that same camaraderie in an assistant principal role, maybe in some areas, but I think ADs, I could call anybody across the country. Hey, do you need, I'm stopping in town. Can you do this? And even you look at your, your mentor, Doug Kilgore, that guy travels all over the place and he always meets up with ADs, right? He's always hooking up with somebody and they're giving them suggestions and they're taking them there. And I think just recently he was at a ball game with Gary Stevens in, in Maine. And, and I think that's what makes our profession so awesome. And in that particular situation with the sniper, it certainly helped that people went out of their way to make sure we didn't feel like we were on an Island and that we could work through this problem together. So that's what I think is great about being an athletic administrator. I think the question I have to ask is that the military base, was there a sprinkler issue or an irrigation issue or was everything <laughs> taken care of? Probably because it was the government, it was okay. But did you have any rain delays with the sprinkler system at the field hockey? We, we were so lucky about the weather that we did that weekend. We did not have irrigation on that field. Like just imagine a space big enough that you could lay six, six field hockey fields in that, on that field space. And that's basically what that military base allowed us to do. And, and thankfully it didn't, it wasn't irrigated, but we could just throw the field down paint and, and we got officials for that weekend, which was awesome. And like I said, basically we played a majority of that season within that weekend. We got everybody, you know, five, six games, seven games. Um, and then we could jump back into our playoffs. Now, how, how impressive is that, just to be able to, the outside-the-box thinking, and, and goes back to your statement about this profession, just to be able to think, okay, here's an option, and we can make it work. It may cost us a little work to make this work, but we can make this work and be creative with that, not just yourself, but the other schools to be involved in this process as well, and the communication to, hey, we've got this space, we got to go down and line it, we've got to make these fields, and we're going to make this work, we're going to play six or seven games are you in? And people saying, yes, let's do this. If that's what's best for kids, let's do this. And it ended up being that way. Well, yeah, and, that, and on top of that, you kind of make it a, a cool experience for them. I mean, how many high school kids are going to say they played on a military base or Quantico? So you kind of took a crappy experience and turned it into like a cool experience at the same time of getting what you needed to get done. Yeah. And it was what's best for kids, you know, trying to make sure they all had a somewhat normal experience, kind of like with COVID, very similar in regards to trying to make decisions best, you know, uh, for, for that. And we all had difficulties, whether we did or did not have spectators and, you know, everybody wanting a little additional something um, in regards to COVID. But it was very similar in that sense in that we all always try to do what's best for kids, even if it means outside the box from time to time. And forgive me for this. You didn't water down the experience for these kids. <laughs> no, I did not water it down for them at all. Full games. <laughs> they got to play the whole game. They got to play. I mean, that, 
that's create. I, I really am impressed with that. Just being able to do that and to be able to say that experience, like Danielle said, the experience for those kids to say, Hey, we crammed it into a weekend, but guess what? The life stories that those people mm-hmm. are going to have of here's how my administrators made this work or my coaches made this work or the fans being able to say, we got to experience this because of the work of people. And you may not have been thanked for it. And that's not why we do what we do, but it's just examples of things that you go or extremes you go to, to make sure kids have the opportunity to play. Yeah, it was, it was really a cool time. Right. And I still remember it was like, as yesterday, I remember like trying to organize and making sure the goals got down there. Cause that was the other thing. Like, it was about an hour away and just the, the, the county helped by making sure we had our sets of goals and such and, and officials, like it took a lot of people to put together. And so I was just glad I was a small part of, of that piece of it. But, you know, there were others too. Like I said, we tried to go two hours away to play a football game. And, you know, after that situation, that, that didn't work out. I mean, it worked out for us. We got a homecoming game out of it. So most people did call it homecoming, even though they were two hours away in Richmond, but, um, it, it was great. I mean, I, again, I think it goes to the collegiality that we encounter on a day-to-day basis within our profession. So how did, how did that sniper situation shorten the season? Did it, I'm assuming it had to shorten it. And what did you do as administrators trying to make sure that they got to play some games and still go to the playoffs and who made it to the playoffs? Very similar to COVID, just a whole different – I mean, it wasn't a, a global pandemic. It was a location issue for you, obviously. but how did you shorten those seasons and make the most for those experiences for those kids? Yeah. The, like I said, with the field hockey, we, it was a bit shortened because of, and we were only, we could only play like five games a night in our area anyway, because of official shortages. Mm-hmm. And so to, it, we, they didn't, they lost a few games. And I think we probably got two thirds of the season in on a regular basis. And then the playoffs were just, we bumped back a little bit so we could get a full playoffs and football. We, we had to miss, if I remember correctly, we missed a week or two of, of football games. Um, and then we just had to go based on the games that we did get in. And because it's really hard to make up football, right? You can't right. you can't pack two or three games in a week for for varsity football. You, you basically get one a week because, again, you're doing what's best for kids, throwing them out there three or four nights <laughs> apart on a varsity game. That's not going to happen. So um, how, how long did this like? sniper stretch go on for if i remember correctly it was it was like a month if i remember correctly mm-hmm. um it was three or four weeks um it was just like I said i mean that was welcome to the neighborhood deal for me for athletic administration mm-hmm. i mean that was my first fall of my first year of being an athletic administrator so um after that i knew it was going to be easier and then so then of course <laughs> you know, the, the pandemic hit and, and such. And, and so, uh, and, and then th- there's been other issues too. And I think one of the, one of the saddest days of being an athletic administrator for me is, is uh, five years ago, we had a student um, take their own life in our building um, during the school day. And it was a Friday afternoon. It was late September. And we had a home football game that night. We were hosting district tennis on the tennis courts at that time. Um, and then we kind of went into a, you know, uh, not a lockdown per se, but restricted movement so that people weren't going into the hallways and doing some stuff. Um, but at the same time, we can like, we had to make a lot of decisions in a short period of time. You know, are we going to 
continue with the tennis tournament? Are we going to cancel it? Are we, what are we doing with Friday night football? There were a lot of decisions made in a short period of time. And I, and I'm, I hope others don't have to go through that situation. I know students with mental health, that's an issue. And, and for us, it, it really brought kids together. So we, we canceled the football game that night and we moved it to Saturday the next, you know, the next day. And we were playing a team, their color, our colors are crimson, silver, and black, and they're, they're purple and gold. And uh, purple is the color of, of suicide awareness. And so the next day when we played them, our kids all brought purple balloons and had kind of a balloon launch and their kids did the same thing. And so it really kind of brought our kids together um, and they really got to learn how to overcome adversity per se. We also had a student a week later do the, took his own life, not at school. Uh, but again, that senior class dealt with a lot during that time period. And, you know, again, I don't wish anybody to go through it, but there was some positives out of it. Uh, I, the, the, the amount of support we received from surrounding schools um, and communities, their student councils, they like brought us a, a paper tree with leaves that talked about all the positive traits of our school. I mean, it was really, really awesome to see the outpouring of support from rival schools, um, sister schools people from across the country some had heard the story and so um it was a tough day you know to try to make all those decisions in a short period of time and communicate that out you know like we had a bunch of schools here for tennis and I would work with their coaches to say we're going to continue with the tennis tournament after talking through it that there was no threat to the outside per se um but then I had communicated with their ADs and coaches, but then they had to communicate to parents. So their parents are calling out of school. What's going on? We've heard this. And there are all kinds of rumors because you couldn't, you couldn't share with them what was really going on at that point. So really tough day in athletic administration for me, uh, but learned a lot from it. Um, and I feel like our community came together. We now have a suicide prevention walk that we do yearly in April. Um, which is nice to see our community be part of. And so I know mental health recently has been a big issue, but we, we, we were on the front end of that um, as we encountered some of that, you know, like I said, that was five years ago when that happened. So uh, tough story for sure. But I think when you talk about what you learn as an athletic administrator, um, the resolve and resiliency of our kids, we, we underestimate that uh, from time to time. And that just goes back to me thinking, you know, those, I mean, we didn't win the football game the next day. We lost by, if I remember correctly, by like 42 points or something, but it didn't matter. The kids just were glad to be there. They were glad to be out to support um, the team. And uh, we have a memorial garden here at school. And so um, that those families were, were excited that we, you know, we have a bench provided for, e for each of those two students. Um, I think about just these stories of the things that you've been through and are still an athletic administrator, Mike, I mean, that tells some resiliency and some adversity that you've overcome, but some of these major things that you've dealt with from a sniper and you think about, even with COVID, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago, just people saying, we just want to play whatever we got to do to be able to play. Cause that gave them some sanity. Well, you're making those real life decisions. One for a sniper situation then for a kid that took their life the day of the afternoon of games and what that really looked like, 
And then looking that now with the pandemic and what we've dealt with, you've covered some ground and some time of some huge issues in people's lives. And we talk about mental health really being on the forefront now, but think about even back to your sniper situation, the mental anguish that caused kids or coaches or you as an administrator trying to figure out how to navigate that process. There's no book that lays that out for you that says, when you're dealing with a sniper, here's what you do. When you're dealing with kids taking their own life, here's what you do. When you deal with a global pandemic, here's what you do. We haven't had those classes. It's just thrown onto us. And I told my administrators, we've had some loss of life in the last year and a half. We've lost like 12 people associated with our school district. And I've said repeatedly to our people, we don't get to pick what we lead through. We just have to lead. And so things are going to be given to us that we're not ready for. We've just got to lead through them. And so kudos to you for leading through that. But think about even your own mental anguish that's gone through these episodes of life of how you've dealt with that and how you've processed that yourself. Yeah. And I think it's best shared, right? I mean, I think that's the great part. I mean, one of the struggles of this, the big school district is there's some rules and regs that apply to everybody, but man, you have a lot of colleagues doing the same thing you're doing. you right. We have 26 in our, in our little area that we're doing what we were doing and, and you could reach up the phone. And even if you were a bitter rival, you give them a call, see what's going on. Like if they needed a facility, some of us had turf fields earlier than others. And if they needed to make up a game, Hey, can we borrow your field? Yeah. I mean, cause that's the right thing to do. It's a little extra work for your staff and such. Right. Um, but I have found comfort in working with others and, and just my involvement with the national dust. I've gotten to meet you and Danielle and a ton of other people. Um, even during the, the pandemic, I got to meet Tony Fisher, who's now on the board, right? I didn't know him from anybody. And, and I started having conversations with him right before the, the stuff in Minneapolis happened with George Floyd. And we started talking about involvement of people of color in our in the um, NIAAA and started having that before. And then like when we were supposed to meet, it was like the day of George Floyd. And so I got to meet a lot of people um, from around the country and to be able to share stories with them helps me get through what I encounter here. And after 20 years, I love what I do. There's no way I'm changing out, right? I, I love being in the building. <laughs> I love working with kids. Yeah, from time to time, I get frustrated, right? But we all do. But I love what I do. I got, like I said, eight more years and, I, and I'm fully see myself not leaving the building. And, and it is tough, you know, being a, most of the NIAAA presidents recently have been district ADs like Lisa and Lannis and Todd Olson, just to name a few. Um, but as a building AD, it's it, it's been tough to balance the time and such from here, you know, here and there. But overall, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Even like I said, I've learned something going through each challenge, whether it's the sniper or, you know, going into a one school school district where they've always I was, you know, in Jeff City, I was the first AD not from Jeff City to to work in that position. And and not knowing the background of, you know, like that'd be like me going down to Arkansas and trying to be an AD down there and like not knowing anything about it. Right. Not knowing if you have running water for the, for the, uh, to, so that you could water your field or anything, but 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you knew I had to get that in there, sure, right? That was a shot. I, I took it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to I wanna point out one thing. As, as you guys are talking, and, and Dustin said all of that, I also want to point out um, to any 80s who are listening that you made all of these decisions with very limited information. I mean, it's easy to look on like retrospect of like, oh, this is what we should do, or this is how we could have handled it. But you didn't have all the information I'm sure you wanted during the sniper issue. And I'm sure you didn't have all the information you thought you needed there when a student took their own life. And we all know we didn't have all the information we needed during the pandemic. So um, a lot of these decisions, I don't even know if there, there can be a way to handle this because Every time, every circumstance is not only unique, but we just, in those, in those exact moments, you don't have all of the information. So you're doing what you think is right at that exact moment. You do. And I think the best way to approach that is collaboratively that you're not on an island. And that's where I would emphasize mm -hmm. to anybody listening. If you get stuck with a situation like one of these or, or something that may be specific to you or your job or your, your area is work at it collaboratively because sometimes you're not going to think of something that somebody else is right. We're, make sure you're not the smartest person in the room when you're, you're sitting around there making all these decisions and talk it through with, and we did like, we talked through like, should we cancel tennis? Should we not? And there's not a right answer, right? We could have canceled it and it'd been fine and, and made it up the next day. Um, or we can continue on and try to make it as normal as possible for folks. Um, there's not a right or wrong for a lot of these, but you're right. We don't have a lot of information, but making it um, collaboratively and asking for people's input, I believe, Dustin, that goes to what leadership is really about, is involving others, making them feel valued, um, and then somebody's going to have to make a decision, right? And it's a lot of times it's going to be us, you know, whether or not you're going to, even small ones, like, are you going to cancel a game? Are you going to move? I mean, that's a day to day that we're always making decisions and, and we're always going to be criticized for right or wrong, because no matter what, we're wrong. Right. You, you move a game based on the fact the weather forecast is 80 percent thunderstorms and that 20 percent happens and you've moved it and it's beautiful. Right. That, that's all that's happened to every one of us at some point. Right. Um, but collaboratively, I think, has is working has worked best for me as an athletic administrator. I, I was talking to somebody this weekend about how public our jobs are and how public our decisions are that maybe not be the case for a math teacher. Nobody's going in to watch a kid take a math test, but they're coming to watch these games, and they all have an opinion. They all have something that we should have done differently um, when we do something or we make a decision, and sometimes it is an island. But as you say, collaboratively, not just on your campus or in your district, but with people in your network um, where I could call, hey, Mike, this is what I'm dealing with down here. And it may be, how did you – how did you deal with the addition of running water? Because we're doing that in Arkansas. That may not, how, what is indoor plumbing like? That may be a question that I have to ask, but that may not be the case everywhere. And you could shed some light on it, but I kind of say that in jest, but reality is we could call anybody, even the president of the NIAAA board, I could call and say, hey, Mike, I'm dealing with this because the reality is Mike's a human being. He happens to hold a position, but he's still a human being that has that handles day-to-day -day situations and can provide advice. And so for somebody who's been doing this 20 years, you haven't experienced everything, I don't think, but you've you've experienced a lot, even beating Josh Scott in the fishing derby. Um, but 
I mean, there should be a trophy. There should be a plaque on your wall for that. And maybe we ought to make it. I feel like we ought to ask, like, have you, have you ever had a streaker? What's that? Have you ever had a streaker? Yeah, we did actually. Oh, our, I was going to say, you should look forward to that. <laughs> I, I'm going to give you the kudos to that is the SRO from our rival school, because we were playing our rivals. The SRO from our rival school ran and chased him down. And so it, was a guy. Up, it, was a, it was a guy. We also have to, because we've never yeah, had a, a female streaker. Okay. <laughs> it was a guy, and, and, the, and the SRO chased down the guy, and, and it was one of their students who used to go to our building. So it was kind of like one of those deals. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, the other thing, Dustin, that you say, everybody criticizes us, right. For sure. But this is the motto I live, live by to compartmentalize. This is you're mistaking me for someone who cares. Like, I, you know, I really, like, that's what gets me through that. You know, when people want to unsolicitedly tell me how to do my job, like in my head or, Maybe next time down, like you're mistaking me for someone who cares because I really don't value your opinion at this point. And and it is unique. You know, there's not a whole lot of professions that are challenged so openly as coaching, officiating, and and athletic administration. Right? Those three mm-hmm. things, uh, really out in front. Everybody knows. Everybody knows more than we do. Everybody knows more than the officials. Everybody knows more than the coach. So I think we're all three kind of lumped together, and you wonder why there's a shortage of all three. Right? Become harder and harder. But, well, I mean, your your example of a thunderstorm is perfect. You know, eighty percent chance of of thunderstorms. Well, it doesn't make a difference what you do. Half the people are going to think you made the right call, and half the people are going to think you made the wrong call. And and they're going to be public about it. Well, we went all the way out there and it was canceled. Should have canceled the game, or you know, we canceled the game and it was gorgeous. What are these people doing? It doesn't really matter what you do. Someone's going to be unhappy about it, and knowing that. Going in, you know, making it going into some of those decisions, knowing some people are not going to like this call helps kind of, you know, grow that thick skin. Yeah, and you, you have to have it. And I don't, I think that's the big thing for those folks just jumping into the profession, right? Is we're going to make bad calls. We are like, that's just, we all do. And we're going to live with it. But you have to like value the folks who you value and and like listen to them but the people who you don't don't let them impact you right i mean again you're mistaking me for someone who cares yeah and you say <laughs> that and i always say did i ask for your insight did i ask a question that would give you permission to say this is what i should do because if i'm asking you i genuinely care if i say hey mike i'm dealing with this i really want to know what you're what you're going to provide but if you come unsolicited to me and just say hey Dustin, i think i would have done this that's where I say, hey, did I ask? Because if I ask, then I, I will appreciate that feedback. But not, not asking, I really don't care. Right. And speaking of trophies, by the way, I'm going to throw this story out here. So it, it does have include Josh Scott in it. So Mike sure. McGurk and Josh Scott happened to play in a golf outing versus Phil Risen, assistant executive director, and Lannis Robinson, the past president of the NIAAA, in a little golf match. At the Indy 500 golf course, the court, there's like a handful of holes that are inside the track. Really cool if you haven't played there. So um, needless to say, I'm not going to say who won, but the team that did not win ended up with trophies, um, crystal paperweights that might have a, a, might say like one of the past president's mottos, which was be better. So that might be somewhere on that crystallized 
paperweight that these two gentlemen, I'm not naming names, have do on you, their desk. Have do on you desk own desk. a crystal paperweight? I, I currently do not have one on my desk. <laughs> curious, so, just curious. I, I, and I know the rematch is coming, but nonetheless, the first shot has been fired, right? right. I mean, the, the crystal paperweights, they're, they're spectacular. And if you do run it, if you happen to be in the NIAAA office, you might, you might see if anybody there has one on their desk. Not the past president. Because <laughs> these offices not in the AAA, no. AAA office. I know no. that. No, but if you go to Tampa, you could, you might be able to see one there. there. There might be one in Springfield with Josh Scott. I, I can't speak. I'm not far from Tampa. I could like do a little investigative work. Right. So and if it's not there, it needs to be there. <laughs> and that story brings up two things. Number one, you have to have fun in your job. Right. And number two, we are all competitive. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, <laughs> whether it's fishing, golf, anything outside. Uh, ADs by nature are competitive. So you're telling me this wasn't putt putt. This was a legit golf match. A legit golf match. Yes. OK. And it didn't take you 500 miles to take care of this. It, it did not. It took us about four hours. Oh. Four hours. Yeah. I mean, this was great information because Phil's Phil's lined up to be a guest on here too, so we can get a, we can get a perspective from somebody that's in the national office to see if it's located there. You know, I I don't know if the the sitting president has an office at the NIAAA office. I don't think so, <laughs> but I'm assuming we, that if he did, he'd have he wouldn't have a crystallized paperweight there. No, he wouldn't. So I, I don't know who that may be, but again, it was it was quite the uh, festivities, right? <laughs> it, it's it had it, we had some fun with it. We um, it, it again we're competitive, but it was fun to get out there and and compete and and do that stuff. So um, I, it was it was pretty exciting. Again, it I think um, so. You can kind of see. <laughs> I mean, I may have pictures of it. You can kind of see that, right? Right. We got it. They're, be they're beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, I actually, would probably display that on my desk. It actually has um, you would, the, name, <laughs> the names of each individual, the Brickyard Crossing Invitational, um, and then second place, Be Better. So um, <laughs> it certainly fit in the presidential theme of, of that time. So, um, you know. You know, and this brings me to a question. I'm sure that when you started this journey, you'd had no vision of being the NIAAA president. Um, and what I really appreciate is this opportunity to kind of what we've done with this this podcast is just to have fun. And that's what you're trying to do in this profession, having fun, maybe at the expense of some others, yes, but having fun with others that are in this profession, because oftentimes we're lonely on our campus because it's just us who understands what we do. But you get to connect with people from around the country and you get to talk about watering down a field, having a rain delay or whatever you want to call it, um, or whipping someone's tail in golf because we all are competitive, whether people will admit it or not. I know my limitations. So I know right now, Mike, you and I will never play around the golf unless we're playing together. Well, and like I said, 
I'm pretty confident that during the rematch, things could go just the other way very quickly. But at the same time, I'm taking advantage of that situation, right? I mean, who would not at this point? Right. Did you pencil with him or was it legit beat him on the course? No, we legit beat him on the course. Okay. And, and I think the odds were probably, I would say probably 30 to one against us. Like if you were a Benny man, you certainly were not going to bet on the Missouri Mafia to win that match. <laughs> but, um, and I'm not sure if they did or not, but just throwing that out there, that the odds were certainly not in the favor of Missouri Mafia, which was <laughs> myself and Josh Scott. <laughs> the fact that you paired with Josh Scott is kudos to you for being able to withstand that. I'm sure your back hurt from carrying him throughout the whole golf Wow. Match. He's wow. not even here to defend himself. <laughs> uh, and that, that let, let the podcast show, I did not say that quote. Uh, but I'm also not disagreeing with you, Dustin. Right, you're not, you're not denying it. I got you. I smell what you're saying. No, what I, what I do appreciate, Mike, is I appreciate your, your honesty, one, your transparency, and I think that's what you've done as a leader of our organization. You've been honest. You've been transparent. You've just been you, and that's all we ask of people in our profession. Just be you. And sometimes, you said it earlier, we're going to get it wrong. You're not always going to bat a thousand. And you think about baseball, it's a game built on failure. You're going to hit only three out of 10 times, and that's a Hall of Fame category if you're able to do that um, consistently, anyway. So we're like meteorologists in the fact that we could be wrong and still have a job, uh, but we can't be wrong consistently <laughs> and still have a job like meteorologists do. Uh, but I think your transparency has been awesome. I appreciate your humor and your your perspective on some things and your willingness to jump on board here and just have some fun, just have some stories, um, maybe at Josh Scott's expense. And maybe we need to do a follow-up just to really badger him or maybe just have you secretly on there when we have Josh on this episode so that you can be that little devil on the shoulder and say now this is the truth of really what happened well, the funny you say that about devil, devil on the shoulder is when um mike blackburn dr blackburn announced he was going to retire right there were two little devils one was josh Scott saying yeah of course he's gonna retire mike mcgurk's president we're pushing that like why wouldn't he get out right <laughs> and then you had the angel which was like damian frasinelli saying no He's getting out because he wants to go out on type, top. You know, Mike McGurk's president. This is a great time to get out, right? So yeah. the, the Josh Scott devil for sure played a part in that saying like, yeah, Mike McGurk. Yeah, absolutely. I can see why he's retiring. I would too. He'd drive anybody retirement. But he, he's not retiring until after your, your reign is over. Yeah, the reign of terror, as sometimes it's affectionately known as. <laughs> so this is on Becky Moran. We can push this on three socks to say he's getting out before she takes over. It could yeah we could definitely we could I'm, I'm with you on that one i mean she's not missouri she's in illinois so you can't really i mean but you guys border each other so i guess you could say we're going down with the ship but that's not you leading the you're not driving the <laughs> titanic at this point i am not actually <laughs> i have thoroughly enjoyed being on the show however in closing so as you said we all have our themes um, and so mine is cherish the value in others, right? And it's an IAAA coin with a quote on the back that says, one person caring about another represents life's greatest value. Um, and so I gave these out to board members to hand out to people who they value. And 
you know, whether it's an admin assistant, some people did their building custodians, some people did mentors. Um, so they're slowly circulating around just to let people know. And you can do this at your office. It doesn't have to be a coin like this, but something small to let somebody know you value them. Uh, it goes a long way. And I feel like, you know, we talk about the greatest coaches and the ones that if you remember playing for somebody who you'd run through a wall for, it's because they valued you, whether yeah. it was as a player or as a person. And I think if we we continue to do that, that makes our job a lot easier is, is you know, just as so much as remembering somebody's name, um, sending a text on their birthday, whatever it is that happens. I just think if we go that extra step and showing people that they mean something to us and they're valued, they're, they're going to go to bat for us. So that that's my theme this year. Well, I value you valuing us enough to get on this podcast and do this with us. So um, I, I appreciate you doing that. I know you got a lot going on in your world as an assistant principal and AD. Um, I know you cleared your calendar today just for us. So you block off <laughs> everything else because that's the importance that we have. But I value that. I value your leadership, and I thank you for your friendship and your investment in our profession. I, I appreciate that, Dustin. I, it was really awesome to be able to sit down with you and Danielle and, and share some stories. And like you said, it's not all serious. We laugh it up some, and that's part of our gig to make sure we can make it through all this time. And and John Wooden, I think, said, if you're not making mistakes, you're not doing anything, right? And so going back to your point, I, I, I that's one of my favorite quotes as well. So um, I just enjoy that you all invited me to be part of this because this is a great podcast, great podcast. i let you know you're on the board before Josh Scott, too, just so you know. <laughs> let, let that be officially stated that I got on before Josh Scott. Well, I, I really love that your coin idea. I think that's an awesome um, way just for, and then people are going to constantly see it and remember that, that um, you know, one thing that you did that made them feel special. So I think that's a really awesome thing. And thank you so much for, for being on here. We're really excited to, um, you know, get to chat with you today. So thank you. And also thank you to Ticket Spicket, who is our sponsor and makes, um, you know, all of our episodes possible. So thank you to everybody. And we will be back next week with another episode.